Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Lead Volunteers. My name is Josh Denhart. Super excited to be with Ken Connolly. That's right. Kenny. Kenny. How are you, man? I'm great. So we are here at the Children's Pastors Conference in Orlando, Florida. We're both, uh, we're actually next door neighbors for our booths. Yes, right right behind each other. Right behind each other, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you know, Kenny, you, you've been a guy that I have wanted to get on the podcast for a while. You are literally living the dream in terms of being at a church that's mm-hmm. that's that's making an impact in the in the in the community um you're you're serving out in california you've been at a lot of different churches mm-hmm. your most recent one tell us about it yeah uh, at mariners yes yes uh, i've been at mariners for say i came out in december of 2021 no 2020 2020 yeah and so just completed my first year there yes it's been it's been a lot. It's been it's challenging, been fast and furious. Yeah, challenging, um, challenging, exciting. Um, coming, you know, leading a, a large children's ministry out of the pandemic yes. and into, you know, a new model of small group based ministry, of yeah. a volunteer, f- volunteer led ministry where there had probably been a more of a weight on staff. Yes. And uh, our, our lead pastor, Eric Geiger, um, mm-hmm. Many people know he was executive vice president at Lifeway for Got years, it. author of Simple Church. Yes. He's a volunteer. Um, like that's ha- that's l- his passion. Let's, let's, let's lead with lean staff and empower high-capacity volunteers. I think to do that's ministry. the scriptural way to do it. I think so. I mean, that's what I've read. And so uh, so it's, it's, been, it's been exciting and uh, challenging and fun. I love... Uh, I've I've stepped into a handful of churches and I love this part of it of coming in bringing fresh yes. vision turning some things around yeah so it's been it's been a really fun well, year tell us a little bit about how when it comes to because of course the scripture that would come to my mind the role of a pastor right evangelist teacher preacher whatever is right. to build up the body to do the work of the ministry right. that's like my life ministry verse let's say mm-hmm. um, and to have a lean staff means that you're going to you the staff person right. you're going your job is not to do the ministry your job is to build up the body that's right to do the work of the ministry so what does that look like for you well i'll tell you a funny story so we um mariners hasn't really had coaches mm-hmm. in their children's ministry uh, at least the way that the way that i've led coach coaching for the last five five or six years right and um so we're, we've been rolling this out and I inherited an amazing staff who did ministry in a different concept. And so just a few months ago, sitting down with some of my early childhood uh, coordinators and starting to cast a vision for this is what a coach is going to do. You know, this is what, what we're a coach for. is different than somebody who is standing in front of kids. Right. And a coach is a volunteer uh, is a leader of volunteer leaders. That's right. And so, so when I started pitching the vision for coach, one of the girls on my staff had this super skeptical look on her face, and she looks at me. and She goes, "Who is going to do what I get paid to do for free?" Like she was like super skept- skeptical about the whole idea. And I looked at her and I said, "See, that's the problem." you've been doing as a staff person what, what volunteers should have done all along. Preach, and, um, and so she, and I, I love what she's done, um, within, within like three weeks, she had tapped 12 people for coaches. And, uh, and like we're in the process of onboarding them on. And, 
and she's like, I just, I just, I didn't see it. I never, I never thought that somebody, cause I was like, it's not that you're just dumping work on not them. Not at all. You're giving them uh, a set of relationships to maintain. And so on the weekend, they're running two or three rooms, but during the week they're caring for, they're following up, they're catching up. They're being a pastor. Yeah. They're being a pastor <laughs> to these people. And we've got amazing coaches and it's, it's just, and to see, and then all of a sudden I said, and, and all of a sudden you're going to get a whole bunch of time back to where you can then do things you can't do now that that are that are going to propel our ministry forward that that she wouldn't have been able to do if she'd been shouldering that previous load yeah no she was she was drowning i figured at any point in time she was she was gonna she was gonna burn out she was gonna it was too much she didn't have enough volunteers she was overwhelmed uh just the pressure of having to manage all these volunteers was too much and the funny thing is it shouldn't it, it doesn't need to be that way no there is a different scriptural model right and it comes down to multiplying oneself in ministry. And so all of a sudden, I'm happy that that gal caught the vision. Mm-hmm. And she sounds as if, what, from what you're saying, Kenny, that she's feeling it. Yeah. And she's feeling the beauty and she's soaring. Her, right. And she, I mean, that's what we want. But how do you get somebody to see that vision? Because there have been people who I had who, who were somewhat resistant right. because they thought, no, this is... This is my job. And so in a sense, they, they were, they didn't want to relinquish some of their responsibilities. Right. Um, or maybe it was, they didn't want somebody else to outshine them. There's a, I have about five reasons why somebody wouldn't want to go down this road. Right. But how do you, how do you, how do you help somebody to overcome that hump? Yeah. I mean, I've, I don't know that I've ever met somebody who works in a children's ministry staff that wasn't overwhelmed, you For know? Sure. And so you can easily point back to Exodus and, and Moses and Jethro's moment Correct. and see that, I mean, this and, is needed. And in a lot of ways, just read that dialogue between Jethro and Moses and you can easily see your children's ministry there in that moment. Yep. Um, and so it's easy to, it's easy to sell the, it's easy to showcase the pain points, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and the reality was like, cause even when you read the story, it wasn't that Moses was schlubbing off his work. Like Moses no. was still in it. And he was, but he was doing the things that, that the children of Israel needed him for, That's right. you know, but everything else he was able to delegate to, to other people. And I, you know, what I would say, uh, and this kind of points to the Ephesians, uh, verse of equipping the saints is that when we don't move to this model, we are robbing people from the opportunity and the blessing Great. of, of shepherding, shepherding people as they do, as they do God's work. I would say I, I couldn't agree more, and I think we're robbing people of two things: an opportunity to lay up treasure in heaven. Mm-hmm. We're stealing that opportunity. A number, another thing that we're stealing from them is the opportunity to grow in their very own abilities. Right. To, uh, you know, I, former educator myself, we've all heard Kenny when when it's like, hey, if you want to retain this information, mm-hmm. uh, you know. If you hear it, you retain it at a certain right. level. If you do hands-on with it, you retain it at some level. If you like transcribe it and handwrite it out, you retain. It. But if you teach it, right. you're going to retain it. It's like ninety percent, ninety percent at yeah. the highest level. So in so if if we're robbing people of the opportunity to grow at the highest of high levels, right, and and to literally become the the best students, right, and and I think it's great. You know, and I would say. I remember when I first started in children's ministry 25 years ago, mm-hmm. I had, um, I worked at 
medium-sized church mm-hmm. in Indiana. And I had, and I inherited this when I came in, they were already there. I had a leadership team. They're like seven or eight amazing. And I was 23 years old. Sure. They were all, you know, middle-aged parents. And it was so funny that they followed crazy me. And, but, um, one of my, the richest, uh, memories and moments that I have in all of my ministry was this, this team of, of moms and dads who came alongside and they did the ministry with me. Like they were right. my partners in ministry. And as I grew and, uh, had opportunities at larger churches where I had staff, yes, like those, those people that I had were now my staff, but I never, I, and I realized this about, you know, seven or eight years ago, I never trained my staff to do what I had done, you know, uh, with, with, with those, with those, yeah. like, who is your team that are you're linking arms with that are going to carry the ministry with you? Right. And um, because I wasn't modeling it for them because I, I just had staff. I mean, I was modeling it, but I didn't say like, hey, what I'm doing for you, um, you, pass it on to you, for you, you do this for someone else. And it's way more bearable. It's way more fun. It's way more uh, joy filled when you have a team of people. So and that's really what your coaches are. Your coaches, this your staff It's your team of okay, people. Right. Okay, so you have a staff person. Mm-hmm. This this one gal who was kind of like, wow, how do I do this? We'll use her as an example. Yeah. She ends up having volunteers who are coaches, mm-hmm. and it's those volunteers' roles to, in a sense, be the staff person, yeah. in a sense, for eight or 12 different volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so she's calling them on the weekdays. She's sending a postcard. She's figuring out what went well, what didn't go well. Right. Because that volunteer has been faithful in little. They're clearly going to be faithful in much. You've selected them. These aren't just people who are like, hey, I'd like to be a coach. These are handpicked. Would right. you agree? Oh, 100%. We pick them. We don't recruit coaches. We we tap coaches. We, right. we pick them. Right. And so you pick a coach. Mm-hmm. You, and you give them some training. Yep. Here's the expectations. You have job description. Mm-hmm. You yes. Have a, uh-huh. a, 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 and they, they have a, it's a known thing. There's a, a known number of things that they ought to be doing. Right. And in a sense, you are training them to be a children's pastor of a small church yeah. who has 12. Yeah. So, so somebody out there is like, well, I, I am the children's pastor with 12 volunteers. Yeah. I'm the one doing that. Well, what I would say to that person is grab of the 12 that you have, grab the one who's the best uh-huh. and each of you take six right. and do this with one another. Cause I want to work myself literally out of a job and I don't, you know, I, I don't mean that I want to quit, right. but I want to build somebody else up with their unique gifts and abilities to do the exact same things that I would do if I couldn't be there. Yeah. I always, um, when I first started in ministry out part-time children's mm-hmm. pastor, while I was in college and I had, you know, three volunteers and 20 kids in kids church. And, and I did it all cause I could, of course. And, uh, of course, 10 years later, the thought was, why did I do it all by myself? Right. You know, I could. And now, now I'm in a place where I can't do it by myself, but even when I could have done it by myself, I, n- I never should have. Yes. And, and here's one of the reasons why I would tell somebody to do this as well, is that when, when we don't delegate, when we don't empower others, we're building a ministry that revolves and falls and rises and falls on, on you. That's exactly right. And so when something happens and you step out. Which you did. You're not, you're not at that church any longer. Right. When you step out, then, um, then then like it, it causes disruption, disruption and pain. And, but when you have a healthy team of, cause these, these coaches, they're not going anywhere. Like this they're is lifers. their church. This is their church. Yeah. This is where their home is. They're, they, they're going to be there longer than you ever will. 
you know, right. probably. That is okay. That right there is a quotable moment. They're going to be longer. They're going to be there longer than you will. Yeah. Build. And let them. Like, yeah. Train them to the. They'll watch these kids grow up. Love you know, it. they'll 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 you know cry with parents. You know, um, and so when you set this up, you set up a, 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 a ministry of stability. It's and, a network of stability, right? Yeah. So when you know a lot of churches, you know, when they lose a children's pastor or youth pastor, it can be devastating. You know, you see like the whole thing falls apart, but when you see churches where they have a strong network of coaches and lead volunteers, then like, sure, it's painful when you lose a youth pastor, but the, the care never goes away. Right. Uh, those kids still have the same person who shows up for them every weekend. For sure. The infrastructure is still there. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, I think that there's a difference between the sage on the stage mm-hmm. and a multiplier of ministry. Right. And there's a lot of people, by the way, Ministry is a lot of administration. Oh yeah, and a lot of leadership. Yeah, um, a lot of people think, oh, you, you know, Josh, you must have loved kids. Well, I actually happened to, which was nice. But I worked with adults who worked with adults who worked with kids. Right. Now I happened to be able to run the strata and hang with kids. Right. But you're exactly right. When when we leave, it should we should be missed about as. Let's just take a, an example. You take a five gallon bucket full of water, right? right five-gallon bucket, you put your hand in and you pull your hand out, I should be missed about as long as it takes that water to come in around where my hand used to be. Right. Fast. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that you're doing that. It's it's an uphill climb. Mm-hmm. And so some people are like, wow, that's that sounds like a lot of work. I, I didn't say it was going to be easy, Mm-mm. but it's very, very, very rewarding. Oh, for sure. And it's it, it actually has greater kingdom long-term kingdom results yeah then i mean some people are burning it at both ends Mm -hmm. and it's still just the one man dog and pony show right well i'm i I burned it at both ends but i had this elaborate system of other humans who you see what i'm saying right it's it's different work right but it's still work yeah and i would say too that when you begin to build a coaching leadership structure it's about building a developmental pipeline for Love people. It. And Love so it. Uh, from like your youngest, your junior volunteers to volunteers, to coaches, to staff. I've hired many coaches to become future Full staff. Time. Yeah, because faithful and little, faithful and much. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's been these coaches that I've found like, you know, I never would have thought that maybe ministry would be something that I'd consider. But this little gig that I had on the weekend, you know, to lead volunteers and such like, hey, maybe there's something there. And you never would have known if you hadn't invited them into that opportunity and so oftentimes when i have a part-time position or a full-time position those are the first people you're looking the for. first people i look for my coaches because they've got the culture they've got the dna they've uh they work with me you know so they we, yes it's, this is an easy ask and we should hire from within and not to mention not to mention uh kenny these are people that you have seen in action mm-hmm. uh, you, you hire from outside that's a serious gamble right everybody's going to look okay on a resume. Everybody's going to look okay or sound okay in an interview. I mean, good gracious, they're putting their best forward. Right. But the interesting thing is not only did they know the culture, not only have you seen, but you've, you, you know, their capacities, you know what they can't do. Right. And it's a, by the way, it's hard to fire somebody who's come on staff at a church. Oh yeah. (sighs) That's a, very painful endeavor and so i don't want to hire the wrong people so i want to try before i buy so to speak right and that's this coaching system is that pipeline it's a working pipeline yes genius yep absolutely genius um 
and hats off to your senior pastor. Yes. Who has kind of instituted this church-wide. The, 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 the oh, kind of the coaching, oh, the yeah. volunteer coaching. The yeah, we're, I mean, we're, um, we use a lot of uh, 40X at our church, mm-hmm. our, um, the four disciplines of execution. Yep. Uh, we're all running, regularly running after um, the, um, the WIG, um, wildly, wild, wildly, W-I-G, goal. Wildly important goal. That's that's what it is. And it, so we're constantly. Dr- this is driven. a wildly important. Goal. A wildly important goal. This and, is that. Mm-hmm. And so like so even our new wig for 2022 for the first six months is um, is in a is a volunteer engagement goal across all of our ministries of how many volunteers are we recruiting, adding to our teams, the yeah. how are we training them, equipping them. So it's, that, it's the, and that is driven. the in my opinion the wildest most important goal right right uh and i would say i mean this sounds like a no-brainer but it's the truth the church is never going to be able to hire to meet all of the needs right that's ridiculous right not only that there's a fail there i mean we uh, we're missing the boat if we simply hire a bunch of people right it is the training and the equipping and that is the building of the body right we also operate under assumption as well that has been proven over time is that when we recruit and build volunteers, we're, we're actually building a bigger box. and that Explain what that means. Uh, so w- we believe that um, numerical growth follows volunteer growth. Agreed. And so, um, and I... That's a healthy assumption. Yeah, and, I, and here's what I would say too, is that I think that God isn't going to give us um, people if we're not prepared to, to care for them. Couldn't agree more. Nor, nor should he. Agreed. And so, so if we want to minister to more people, let's 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 not wait for them to come before we figure like, oh my gosh, we got to get more leaders. Yeah. So like so like right now, so right now we run about um, eleven hundred, twelve hundred kids on the weekend. Part of our wildly important goal is is that we want to be at seventeen hundred kids. So we're recruiting uh, small group leaders to, to in anticipation to be able to care for seventeen hundred okay. kids. Now, I- interestingly enough. You know, you and I have taught at national breakouts and all these things for years, right? Right. And it's funny. There's something that I have done often where I'll say, okay, how many of you would love to have 17 brand new, well-equipped, fired up volunteers come to you on Sunday? Every hand raises in the room. And I say, okay, keep your hand in the air. But the only stipulation is you have to answer yes to the next few questions. Do you have an airtight volunteer onboarding process? Do you have a shadowing process? Do you have the written job descriptions? Do you have a training video in place? So I list all of these things that would that would make it easy for 17 people right. to onboard. And I say, now, if any of those things aren't true, put your hand down. Every hand goes down. Right. And my answer to them is, well, do you think that God is going to bless you with 17 new people if you can't even remotely handle them appropriately? Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah, 100%. So we need to build in anticipation of that blessing. Right. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I just um, just actually finished a breakout an hour ago um, here at CPC mm-hmm. called Volunteer Multiplication. And yes. it's really that, that was the second point of building a highly structured mm-hmm. volunteer recruiting and onboarding system. And so if you want to multiply your volunteers, not just add volunteers, you want to multiply volunteers, then you have to have the system in place. So that, because what usually happens at every church I worked at and every church I interact with through coaching, consulting, things like that, is that um, 
volunteers co- are constantly falling through the proverbial gaps. Mm-hmm. They uh, Volunteers live on sticky notes and cell phone <laughs> no. uh, uh, text messages in the back of your brain. Like, who was it that I talked to on Sunday whose sister wants, you know, and um, and usually volunteers live in those places because we don't have a system. We we have built a volunteer pipeline mm-hmm. that anytime the the only answer to the question of how does someone get involved at our church or how do we get answers, we have a volunteer orientation every Saturday at five thirty and every Sunday at ten o'clock. Wow! And that's that's the only way. So, yeah, I, that is the that is the largest part of the funnel to get them it into is. the process. When when we do a big expo, like a churchwide expo, people will volunteer uh, that people are interested in volunteering. Uh, I don't have them fill out an info card. They RSVP for an orientation. It, it's a non, it's a non-threatening. Like we we're not going to make anyone sign up to anything, but come to her come to her orientation. It is the answer to every volunteer question. Even somebody this last weekend, uh, somebody came. She used to be on staff two years ago before the pandemic, and she came and she said, "Do I need to come to this?" I said, "Yes, you do." Like if you're interested in volunteering again, genius. you know, uh, this is genius. it is the answer to every question because once they come to an orientation. They're on our pipeline. They live on our spreadsheet. They live in our and system. You're, and you're moving them, you're moving them systematically through a predetermined process. Right. That is going to help them to grow, to get some competencies right. in place, some skills in place. Right. But it's also dripping with relationship. Yep. It's not. De- Listen, a spreadsheet doesn't have to be devoid of a relationship. Mm-mm. Yeah. Every every name is connected to. Somebody on my staff, right? You know, and they're held. We have a a weekly, hourly meeting where we we walk through the entire pipeline. At any point in time, we have, you know, hundreds of people on the pipeline that are at some point of the process. And some, and some might go to be a greeter, mm-hmm. but some might come to the children's ministry. Yep. And so, but it is it is about that process. We have to be prepared. We have to be prepared in order to to manage people well. Right. Uh, now, it's interesting. You said something a second ago that I think is very, very, very true. You said. Um, numerical growth is preceded by volunteer growth. Mm-hmm. Volunteer growth happens first, yeah, and then numerical growth will happen. I think there's two reasons for that. One is what we've just been talking about, that you're prepared. Mm-hmm. But the other reason is those who serve stay. So you have a very low attrition rate. Right. Very few people are exiting out the back door because they're being cared for as volunteers. They're feeling a sense of like worth, right. value. They're putting their gifts in place that makes a difference, that's a huge part of the Christian life. Right. And if they're not serving, then it's so much easier. I mean, it's, as they say, whatever, the sticky church, right? right. Serving is going to cause people to stick. That's a piece to why numerical growth is going to happen. Right. Because you're not going to be losing people. Right. But I, I, I still think that the preparation process, absolutely critical. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, when a kid visits for the first time and somebody learns their name, and they come back the next week and, and they remember them, that kid's going to be more likely to want to come back again. And so if you don't have enough volunteers, you're not learning anybody's name. You know, no. you're, it's not personal. And, and, and no volunteer is reaching out and connecting with mom and dad on the way out and saying, hey, super grateful that you're here. Had a great time right. with your son, John. Right. And, and so when those things aren't happening sh- simply because of just sheer volumes right. of ratios, mm-hmm. right? And so couldn't agree more, man. Well, I got to say, Kenny, you are a wealth, and I have been tracking and, and wanting to, to talk with you, but I'm just, I'm very, very, very impressed mm-hmm. with who you are, uh, how you comport yourself. I'm impressed with your brain and how you think through these things. Um, thank you. 
Yeah. What, what else would you say to people out there in lead volunteers land and when it comes to multiplication as we close out? Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything more important than, um, I mean, I came into children's ministry. I was called into ministry as a 14-year-old. Nice. As a kid. Greatly impacted by my children's ministry that I experienced as a kid. And um, so I love kids. Like, there's nothing that I'd rather do. Um, but over the course of four or five years, I realized that the way that I impact the most kids is to That's right. uh, invest in men and women and, and teenagers who, um, who can love kids the way that I loved kids. And so um, there's only one of you. There's only one of me. And um, so, yeah, so don't um, volunteer recruiting care development is frustrating is overwhelming it's all those things but that is that is the ministry it is uh, that is the ministry it's not it's not about the kids now it's, that sounds so counterintuitive but i couldn't agree more right. it's it my job is not about the kids right my job is about the volunteers who love the kids who love the kids and will care for them way better than i ever could and will care for them long after i'm gone right right uh i think that that is a revolutionary children's ministry concept it's not about the kids yeah. and I think that that's at, at surface value that's very hard to stomach but my greatest heart for kids is for it not to be about kids yeah it's to be about the volunteers and then they because ultimately as we both said I love kids mm -hmm. yeah. but my the best way to serve them is to pour into adults who can pour into adults who can pour into kids. Yep. That's going to be a sustainable ministry. Yep. Tell us just a little bit. You and I do very, very, very similar things. Mm -hmm. I have leadministry.com. Right. You have ministryboost.org. Uh -huh. Very similar organizations. Tell us. Yeah, so um, some friends of mine, Nick Blevins, Kevin mm -hmm. Monahan, and we did a lot of masterminds and coaching together over the years, and we started to put our heads together and uh, kind of dreamed up ministry boost. You bet. So we love next gen. We love family ministry. We, um, uh, we all have served in family ministry, kids, youth, uh, next gen leadership. And so we come alongside churches, um, and help coach and resource ministry boost has really become kind of a stockpile of individualized courses mm -hmm. and resources. Like you need job descriptions. You need uh, volunteer manuals. You yes. need processes that don't exist in your church now. You need, you know, you need a, a coaching group of of mastermind of seven or other seven or eight other like-minded uh, people to bounce ideas off of. You need somebody to come out to your church and visit and and like you know it helps it ideas. helps them boost their ministry. We boost ministries. All right. We, we like to end phone calls sometimes with the like boost it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we love it. In in you're you really are man. Um, I, I, I wish that I had more shoulder rub with you. I, you're like, our minds think a lot alike when it comes to ministry multiplication. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much for, for being on here. I would love to have you back. For sure. Uh, this, this is fantastic. So, gang, um, Kenny Connolly, thank you very much for being on here with us, and we'll catch you on the next one. Sounds great. Thank you, man. You bet.